Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. As we continue uh, in our teaching series today, uh, for the conclusion, it's hard to believe, I'm still not sure where June went, and I'm not entirely sure where eight weeks of Philippians went, but uh, if you were writing a letter, uh, let's hypothetically say you were unjustly imprisoned, and you decided to write a letter to people that you loved, your friends, what would you want to say? What would be in that letter for you, and that's, that's really the essence of our journey over the last eight weeks through the book of Philippians. And today, as we conclude our series, Living the Jesus Life, uh, we're going to look at, at some of the last words of the Apostle Paul. Uh, this week, I, I wanted to kind of get a feel from you. What were some things that stuck out to you throughout the series? So uh, I asked this question on our Facebook group. I texted a couple of you, and it was striking to me so many people gave the same answer. I, I really think, I think I asked about six or seven different people, and I got three answers, which is really cool. It's, it's neat. Uh, some popular themes, favorite verses. Chapter 1, verse 27, got a couple mentions And that's where Paul says, whatever happens, that's a big statement, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then I love what Paul knows will be true. He says, then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you a good word. And another one that got multiple mentions was uh, chapter 2, verse 5. And that's where Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And of course, out of that flows one of the most beautiful portions of Scripture in all of the New Testament where Paul describes and articulates the life of Christ and, and how he loved and how he served. Have the same mindset as Christ. And one of the favorites of mine, I mean, I know I posted this on our social media earlier this week, uh, but for me, one thing that I keep coming back to, I find myself thinking about over and over in different circumstances, is Paul's opening prayer in chapter 1. And that is in verse 9 through 11. And it says this, Paul's praying for his friends. You know, he's, he's writing from prison. He hasn't seen them for a while. You know, he can't send them a Zoom chat or anything. So he's praying for his friends, and this is what he says This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Purpose clause so that, so that you may be able to discern what is best 
and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And I think that prayer has had such an impact on me because uh, in our ever-changing world, uh, there's so many things coming at us, so many things happening. We're, we're in constant need of discernment and knowing what the will of God is and what our path forward in living the Jesus life. And Paul's praying that love would abound. Scripture warns about our love growing cold in the last days. And so Paul's saying, let your love abound, overflow, and grow, but let it be guarded and guided by knowledge and discernment so that we may see his way forward in our world. And I just think that has so much application to our lives and to our world. I, I hope you would say that this journey through Philippians it has been a valuable tool in your faith walk in 2023. I, I want to go back to my original question. Like, if you were the one doing the writing, if you were the one uh, unjustly in prison, like, what would you say? What would you want your friends to hear? What would your final words be? What would you want people to remember? That's essentially where we are this morning as we conclude our teaching series, Living the Jesus Life. Last week, uh, we kind of came out of the last turn of the race, if you will, and into the home stretch, Paul's giving his final parting thoughts, his final uh, uh, closing instructions, and, and he began with a reminder to rejoice in the Lord. And we know that the theme of rejoicing comes up uh, 16 different times throughout this very short letter. And as he picks that theme up, he's encouraging his friends once again to choose joy in the midst of anything life throws at them. And, and he encourages them to be people known by their gentleness and their graciousness in relationship with one another. And finally, he shares his rather decisive teaching about worry. Remember that in verse 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Worried about my worrying, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And, and, and Paul is speaking Jesus here, if you will, from the Sermon on the Mount. He, he shows that worry is not compatible with the Jesus life. And so this closing is calling out and, and leading us in an invitation to a different life because worry uh, so many times is the replaying constantly over and over in our minds, the worst case scenario, what might happen, the uncontrolled things, and that's not what God desires for his children. And so Paul is calling us to wage war on worry, to not give up the fight, don't be anxious about anything. Bring our fears, our frustrations before the Lord and ask Him to move, to give what we need as many times as it takes. And friends, that, that war may mean we are involved in community groups, fleshing out worry and anxiousness with each other. It may mean we're uh, scheduling doctor's appointments or counseling appointments. Anything it takes to wage the war on worry. And true to form, as Paul concludes his final to-do list, he isn't done bringing encouragement. And that's where we're going to dive into our teaching text today at verse 10 of chapter 4. Philippians 4, verse 10, he says this. He says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord. That you, there's rejoiced again, <laughs> right? 
I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that you at last renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but had no opportunity to show it. Now, you, if you were to rewind back to the beginning of our letter, you may remember that Paul is uh, writing this letter, and one of his intentions and goals is to express his gratitude, his thanks for a, a gift for the Philippians' uh, partnership in the gospel of Jesus. And a man named Epaphroditus had delivered this gift, these provisions to the Apostle Paul, and an update about what was happening. And so, as we're getting to the end of the letter, as Paul's about to close out, he wants to express his gratitude for their generosity and his thankfulness for their friendship. And he wants to be clear, there's uh, uh, some nuanced language here, but he really wants to be clear that the most important thing to him, the biggest gift, was knowing that their friendship was still strong. And he continues there in verse 11. He says, I am not saying this because I'm in need. And so he's basically saying, I- I'm not just saying thank you because I was so desperate for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a couple of bucks. He- he's saying, no, 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 uh, uh, I- I was, it's not just because I was in need. And then he says this. He says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned to be content. As we've come uh, now this many weeks through our study, and I've been reflecting on this journey, one of the things that I have been most amazed by is what Paul doesn't say. What Paul doesn't say. For all the great things, for all the beautiful truths that we've talked about and and, and unpacked, and what he hasn't said has arguably made the biggest impact on me. Think about it for just a minute. Throughout this letter, not once do we find him, you know, he's imprisoned, But not once do we find him ranting about the stupid government that has me imprisoned on false charges. Not once. No cries of a mistrial. No cries of injustice. Nothing about, now introverts, think about this with me. Nothing about how aggravating and frustrating it is to be chained to another human being. I mean, that person might talk all the time. You know, they might not have taken a shower that day. And he's chained to them, but not a word. Not a word. No complaint about the living conditions? Nothing. What he hasn't said matters. I mean, think about what the um, uh, office, if you will, at which he's writing from. A first century Roman prison, uh, pre-electricity, so it's a little dark. No air conditioning, no running water, no indoor plumbing. All because he's telling people about Jesus. What we should all be doing, he's in prison for. He doesn't know how the future is going to go, whether he's going to be released, whether it's going to end in his execution. Yet look what he says. He says, no, I'm good, guys. I'm good. I've learned to be content no matter what. This idea of being content uh, is to be a a little self-sufficient, not in a defiant way, but self-sufficient, to be satisfied apart from what's happening around you. It's the idea of being at peace internally, regardless of the turmoil that's happening around. And now to, to be sure, Paul's not bragging that he is ascended to some mental hierarchy of being like a Teflon, right, where nothing sticks to him. 
he's learned how to focus differently throughout his journey. Despite every justified reason for complaining and and being bitter or upset, he says, I have found peace. I found peace. He can say, it is well with my soul. Paul learned that living the Jesus life is a life lived content. A life lived content. And if I'm honest, that challenges me a little bit. Really challenges me a lot. There's no need for amens at this, but I'm usually not short on words when something is not the way I would prefer it or when I see something that's challenging me. And I know us well enough to know you're not either, (laughs) like, right? We want to cry out. We have things to say. So why does contentment, being being steadfast internally, having peace uh, regardless of our circumstance, why does that seem to elude us so much? Why is it something that Paul had to learn in his journey? Why why is it that in our story so many times like a a restlessness is in our heart? A, a, A maybe even a resentment for what's going on. Maybe jealousy is more the mark of our hearts, or envy seems to be the norm. Why does contentment elude us? Uh, In preparation this week, uh, our friend uh, Brian Charette, uh, on staff with us now at Harrisonburg, uh, he sent me a video, and when I watched it, I knew it, because it spoke to something inside of me, this idea of contentment, and we'll unpack it here in just a minute, but I want to share this with you today. I woke up this morning with a normal feeling for me. It felt like sadness, but more like hunger than anything else. The closest word for it is empty. Whatever the feeling was, I wanted it to go away. Within an hour of waking up, this feeling's usually gone. Coffee can do it catching up on sports, and by the time I check my email, I'm good. At least I'm full for the present. The feeling, whatever it was, is gone. But quite easily, I slip back into the emptiness, if not the next hour, the next day. Technology gives me the quickest, most instantly gratifying fill. That's why I like social media. All I really need is one like on Instagram, and I'm golden. Facebook can do it too, as long as it's about me. And I look on Twitter to get my sarcasm fill for the day. It doesn't really take much, but it doesn't really last long either. If social media doesn't do it, music always fills me up, especially when I'm driving. I got my tunes, the open road, and I can listen to whatever I want. I rock the same songs over and over again. I was empty, now I'm filled. I have millions of ways to fill up. I didn't even mention TV, movies, or beach vacations, alcohol, cars, home improvements, 
accolades at work. Whatever I want, I can have it. With the touch of a button or the drop of a hat, the world is at my fingertips. I can fill myself with whatever I want, cash pending. All I have to do is convince myself that it's good to eat and desirable for food. Then it's just a matter of plucking my choice fruit from the tree. No wonder I don't need God to be filled. I'm already full. Do you recognize emptiness as being discontent? I think one reason that contentment eludes us is because we tend to look for it in our circumstances or in our things. And it's always the next pursuit, right? Our world has monetized the emptiness to sell us something. That this is the product you need. This is the vacation you need. This is the next thing you need for that emptiness. So I believe that why contentment eludes us is because we're looking for it in the wrong places. To be content, most of us, I know for me, I like to be in control and be in content, right? Give me the remote, the control to the radio. I want to drive because I can't handle your driving. (laughs) I want to be in control. Contentment, right? I mean, having a little money in the bank helps being content too, right? We want to be successful, to have that good job nailed down, to to know that everything's in order, and then I can be content. Or or maybe that we feel on likes and shares from social or or whatever that is. But the beauty and the truth of, of what we see Paul and what he's learned in his life is that he has learned to find peace and contentment from a better source than his circumstances. Let's continue in our text at verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I mean, think about some of the life that the Apostle Paul had gotten to live. Uh, to be sure, he had lots of joyous moments, being on the, the cutting edge of the move of Jesus Christ through the first century world, seeing miraculous things happening, seeing Jesus' communities birthed by the power of the Spirit, taking part in that life, times of plenty. But we also know that he had a great deal of trials and suffering. Uh, in his letter to the church in Corinth, uh, he mentions some of this life and this suffering explicitly. He says, I was beaten five times by the Jews, each time receiving 39 lashings. My multiplication's not great, but that's a lot. He says, I was beaten three times with rods. I was stoned and left for dead. Traveling around, he was shipwrecked three different times. I think I'd have stopped traveling by boat. Uh, He's crossed dangerous rivers, been in danger of bandits and and robbers. And, And again, he's imprisoned now. 
But through all of those things, through the ups and the downs, the times of plenty and the times of being humiliated, he has learned to be content, to be at peace. I don't know about you, but my question is, how on earth do you do that? How do you do that? How do you live a life at peace in the midst of such seeming turmoil and strife? To find peace in a few small things, like that's something we can muster up, right? But to learn contentment through the seasons of life, through the overarching trials and struggles, that's something different. That's right up there with that be anxious about nothing thing, right? But a true friend, Paul, doesn't leave us without the secret. Look at verse 13. How do you find contentment in any and all circumstances, in the challenging things of life? He says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So the secret to living the Jesus life content is to live in the strength of Jesus Christ. Through the ups and the downs, this is what Paul's learned. He's learned that peace and satisfaction come only through the person of Jesus. And that's how he can say in the midst of beatings and imprisonments and shipwrecks, he can say, I've learned to be content because I've learned to live in the strength and the power of Jesus. That's what it is to find life outside of our circumstances and our things and our control. It's to find life in the person and the strength of Jesus. That's the secret, friends. That's what Paul has learned. He learned that he, he couldn't count on possessions and comfort because he lost it all. He'd given it all away. He found deep satisfaction and peace knowing Jesus was with him. And friends, I, I think it's too easy for us to separate this and go, yeah, but that's like the superstar of the New Testament, right? Like the all-star Apostle Paul, yes. But look what he says. He says multiple times, I have learned. Wait, so the guy, you know, kind of Jesus, and then you got the Apostle Paul kind of takes over the rest of the New Testament, right? That guy had to learn to be content. He had to learn to be content. So that means it wasn't automatic. It, it, it means that it wasn't easy. Uh, it, it probably means he made some mistakes in that learning process, right? He wrestled with it. He failed at it. He got it some and he missed it some. But over the years, over the overarching pattern of his life, he says, I've learned to live in the strength of Jesus, to know peace regardless of the circumstances. The Jesus life is lived content. Um, I, <laughs> I know to tell a story of learning some contentment in my life uh, after just what Paul has shared in the life he lived, I understand that's almost laughable and most of all pitiful. Um, I get that. But there's been seasons where I, I can look back and go, yeah, I really had to learn contentment in that season. Uh, you may have heard us talk before, 
uh, about our experience living uh, in Massanutten. Uh, it, it comes up a lot uh, because it was a learning experience for us. It was a good experience, but it was a learning experience. But before we lived there, before we rented a house there, uh, we lived in Singers Glen, other side of the county, uh, eight very private and, and secluded acres. There's no neighbors around. Uh, I had a wood shop to tinker in and play in. Guys, you know what that's about. Uh, we had a yard for free range of the dogs and the cats and Eliza when she came along. Uh, Ashley and I, my wife and I both, had pretty much always lived like that. Uh, and looking back, that was such a blessing. That was a time of plenty, in a sense, right? It was such a blessing. Uh, well, the uh, East Rock campus, uh, this vision was starting to come to life, and I was making a lot of trips to Elkton, and we knew that for longevity, we needed to be closer, because that was like a 45, 50-minute trip, depending on how nice 33 was to you that afternoon. Um, but we knew we needed to be closer, so uh, we, we sold our house and the land, and uh, moved this workshop into storage, and a lot of our personal stuff went into storage, and, and, and we, and I mean we as in the whole kit and caboodle circus of three humans along with two dogs and two cats, uh, moved into a 1,300 square foot A-frame cottage in Massanutten, which if you're not familiar with an A-frame, it's real steep, and so the second floor, if you're six feet tall, means you're leaning your head like this a lot, all right? So we moved into this house, and uh, there was a God story behind all that. He pulled that off for us. Uh, and when we moved in, there's a house on either side that you could throw a rock to. Uh, and you had about enough yard on each side, I would say you could walk a chipmunk through, uh, right through either side. And in that season, we had to learn to be content. And again, I understand the ridiculousness of that now. <laughs> I understand, because you see, that, that home would give everything we need. It was dry. It was affordable. It was in the timing we needed. The arrangement was perfect, but I had to learn that. I had to learn that. You see, we, we struggled to find ways for each of us, me, I think me especially, learning to work out mental health when I couldn't just go out to the wood shop and tinker. I couldn't just go for a walk uh, through the field. Like, I had to learn that. I took up basketball, because there was basketball courts there, so... I had to figure it out. Uh, when we got an anonymous letter stuck to our door one afternoon about our dogs barking, which we didn't know was really going on, man, in that moment, we were so hurt and so frustrated and angry. We were in that moment ready to just peace out, like, forget this place, we're gone. But we had to learn. <laughs> we had to learn to see beyond those things, to find peace in the midst of circumstances that we didn't prefer. Just like we heard last week, like, had to learn to bring that before the Lord to find out what He was doing in our hearts in that season, what He was trying to teach us and show us. And friends, it took a while. <laughs> I'm a slow study about a lot of things. It took a while to finally get to where we could live in peace regardless of what was happening around us. We ended up staying there a full year uh, and then some, and looking back on it now for all of the challenges and the heart, like we learned so much in that I wouldn't trade it for anything. But we had to learn. How about you? <laughs> you ever had seasons of learning to be content to find peace in the midst of circumstances you would prefer not to be in? Perhaps maybe you're just the restless heart type, right? 
always looking for the next thing, the next challenge, the next mountain to climb. There's just an ongoing restlessness. Maybe it, it just seems like there's always something else you want, something that's, that's just out of reach, and it's, it's all you think about. It. And that could be a house, a new car, or a degree, or whatever you think. If I just can have that, I'll be happy. I'll be happy when. Maybe you're just struggling to be content, satisfied with where you are. Maybe you feel like God's just left you in this situation or in this desert feeling. And you're struggling to see why. Friends, let's take Paul at his word. Let's learn from what he's learned. Let's learn to find our peace in the person of Jesus, in relationship with him, to live in the strength that he will provide no matter what comes. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I love that so many times we hear that verse and it's like a triumphant thing, right? Let me put it on my basketball sneakers, I can make my three-pointers. But the context of this is learning to be content, at peace, satisfied in the midst of suffering. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can be content now. I can be content now. Friends, we are in good company when we're learning to be content. Paul had to do it. We've got to do it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, as the band makes their way forward, uh, as Paul moves to conclude his letter, uh, he, he kind of jumps back into expressing thanks and gratitude uh, for their gift. And over the next couple of verses there, he's celebrating that their lives are producing good and generous works, evidence of their faith in Jesus. And for Paul, uh, as he's away and as he hasn't seen them, that brings him great joy and confidence knowing their lives are flourishing in Jesus. And in verse 18, he, he talks about their gift. He says, I received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And so Paul's saying, I got your gift. It was an abundant blessing. And his friends had provided more than what he needed in that season. And as they have met his need, he gives them assurance that God will meet their needs. Let's look at verse 19. He says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be the glory ever and ever. Amen. And I have to tell you, this might be my favorite verse in the whole letter. Because you see, I need a new boat. Specifically, a river rocket jet boat. Look at that thing. I mean, don't you hear angels singing? I do. Because you can put 300 horsepower of supercharged awesomeness in the back of that boat, and you can run over rocks and anything you can imagine in inches of water. Ah! And Paul says, I'm going to get one. Woo! Glory. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. I'll take, you for, I'll take anybody for a ride. God's going to meet all your needs. You don't look convinced. 
You don't look convinced. You see what Paul's talking about (laughs) is that through ups and downs, through shipwrecks, I didn't think about the boat and shipwrecks, uh, but through shipwrecks and beatings, he had learned the faithfulness of God not to abandon him. That when it seemed lost, when it seemed all was over, that God was still there providing for his needs, leveraging grace and strength through the person of Jesus to get through that moment. And it's that confidence that he shares with his friends and brothers and sisters in Philippi and says, that faithfulness you can count on when you're looking to him. When it's his strength you're living your life in, God will meet your needs. Maybe not the boat, but your needs. Your needs. You know, throughout this letter, Paul has been uh, showing us by his own example what it means to live the Jesus life. And as he brings this thing to a close, as he's parting out, writing the last words, he wants to make sure that his friends know the secret to life. That they know the secret, the goodness of God. Living focused on the person of Jesus no matter what. That to have the deep peace and satisfaction comes only from Him. Not our circumstances, not our favorable being in control, not all those things. But it comes from one person. And that's Jesus. It's Christ who gives us the strength to live like that. To live the Jesus life. And look, there's some things this text is not saying, right? Let's not take this to extremes. Uh, This is not saying that uh, you need to just suck it up in the midst of your hard circumstances. This is not saying that we can't uh, try to better ourselves, that we need to stay around and be in abusive relationships or anything like that. That's not what he's saying. But he is calling us. There's an invitation to find peace and satisfaction in the person of Jesus, no matter what. Do you want to live like that? Do you want a life like that? I remember when we started this series, I was talking to Pastor Roger, and we were talking about the Jesus life, and now we've unpacked that a little bit more fully over the last couple of weeks. But he said something that was that's still in the back of my mind. He said, most people want a life like that, but they don't live it. We don't live it because we think it comes from other places or we think we can do it in our strength. But the message of the Apostle Paul, what even down to his final words, is that it is through the strength of Christ Jesus that we can live the Jesus life. Is that the life you want today, friends? It's available in the person of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the beauty of your word. Lord, of the encouragement of the Apostle Paul. Lord, to point us so faithfully to you. And Lord, to illustrate and to show us that through uh, really difficult circumstances, challenging things, that there is peace. And that it doesn't come from anything other than you. And so, Lord, today we want to commit to finding our center, finding our balance in you, Lord. In living out of your strength for this life, this Jesus life. 
So, Lord, show us where we've been looking other places to find our contentment, when we've been looking other places for our meaning and our fulfillment. Lord, forgive us. Call us closer to you to find our satisfaction, our peace, our hope in relationship with you. It's in your name we pray. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.